And I've had people, okay, let's not even say people. Let's call it like it is. I've had men like, oh, is that for her next boyfriend? This is Plastic Urns, and we are back with Maria. Her mom, or mommy, as she thinks of her, died when she was seven. Her grandma died when she was 11, and she never really had a relationship with her dad, so after living with her aunt for a bit, she moved in with her 23-year-old sister when she was 15. Now, what was she just talking about? Let's find out. You want to talk about tattoos? No. No. Okay. Actually, no, Bryce, I want to talk about your tattoo. Give us a give us a debrief. What do you have going on there? I have the sound wave of my mom saying I love you tattooed in my forearm, which is an homage to a necklace I had made for her that was the sound wave of my saying I love you, mom. Similarly, to get one on my right forearm that is an homage of my father, but, you know, COVID. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a very similar question to what I've asked you before. I think sometimes, especially when you get a tattoo of something that's deeply personal, yeah, you find yourself getting asked about it in situations where you don't really want to talk about dead parents, whether it be at a, at a bar, on a first or second date. Just what are you, what are your views on that? Because yours is quite visible. Are you just willing to talk about it at any any moment, any situation? Yeah. I got it on my forearm so I could see it, right? I got it in perhaps the most visible visible place Mm -hmm. for me so that I could see it, Mm -hmm. save for like a knuckle tattoo, which I'm not Post Malone, so I didn't get that one. But I wanted, like, it was for me. And then I, when you were talking about how you have moved beyond dead parents as an identity, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've, I don't know what my identity is. Mm-hmm. Like when I think about jobs and I think about like, there are many people who are like, I'm an engineer or I'm a podcast host or like I'm a whatever. I don't, I think like I do those things, the critical word being do, but I am not those things. That makes sense. And so I struggle with my identity and I simultaneously feel like having dead parents now is so much of my identity. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, it's like a year and a half since my mom died and three months since my dad died. So like. A little bit more time needed there to, like, yeah. you know, smooth past that one. But I acknowledge it as part of myself, mm-hmm. and I'm happy to have the conversation about the tattoo. In a way, it kind of filters out people where either they're, like, mm-hmm. kind of being a dick, and they're like, huh, what's that tattoo? And then I'm like, oh, well, it's the tattoo of my dead mother. Or, or they're, like, genuinely curious, and then it leads to a good conversation. Yeah, um, my tattoo that is for my mother and my grandma is a line from like a very common funeral poem. Don't grieve for me for now I'm free. And I've had people, okay, let's not even say people, let's call it like it is. I've had men like, oh, is that for her next boyfriend? I'm like, excuse me, who the fuck do you think I am? No, I did not get a a tattoo for an ex-boyfriend. Um, this is actually about my dead mom. So 
<laughs> I think in those moments, like, yeah, it, it does bring this, like, beautiful humor to it where, like, you're just, like, you almost take pride in pulling that card to, like, put someone else in their place <laughs> and kind of make them feel appropriately uncomfortable and you just get to laugh. A lot of fun. You went through the trauma, therefore you get to make others feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I I think in in getting back to the more serious stuff, I think in your case, you know, like we are so different in that yours is all incredibly recent and mine is all very much in the past. And I think that because it's so recent and because, like, on top of everything, trying to figure out what you want to do with life, like, that's the stress of your 20s. When you're seven, you don't have to worry about the stress of who you are as a human. Like, you do get to process things a little bit differently, like, less emotionally intelligently. But, but like, the, the rest of the world is pretty safe. And as a seven-year-old, you don't... You feel alone in some ways, but like not truly alone, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like there, there are people that have to take care of you as a seven-year-old, right? So I feel like going through that sort of trauma now is incredibly different because there is this like deeper sense of loneliness that can come up. So I have a question for you. Yeah, let's do it. Um, if you could craft a perfect response to dead parents because I struggle with this because I feel like I can only sort what feels wrong and what feels right um so you know you must be so strong like that that is like that rubs me the wrong way here's the response I texted someone who um whose dad died recently perfect you want you want that case examples also I've been told multiple times like Oh, like just stay strong after my parents die. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, because like that implies that there's a weak, and that's like, oh, I'm crying, I'm sad, I don't want to do anything. Like, I'm thus weak. That is the wrong state to be. Just like, yeah, I, like, I well, fucking is, hate that. What does that mean? Stay strong. Ugh. Like, what? I'm, in no context does that make sense. Because mm -hmm. crying is weak, yeah. alas, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Toxic masculinity for the win. Let me suppress my emotions. Um, <laughs> So, hey, Bryce Klein, I'm very sorry to hear about your dad's death. It sounds like he lived a rich, joyous life, which continues to shine through you. My mom actually died a year and a half ago, and my dad died three months ago, both from their own dances with cancer. I say this only to note that if you ever want a stranger, quote unquote, to vent or commiserate with, I'm happy to be that person. I recognize it can be a confusing, lonely time, so please know that you're not alone. I sent along a DoorDash gift card, which I hope can take something off your mind, at least for the night. I hope you're as okay with how you're feeling as you can be, be that sadness or relief or anger or joy or whatever else you may experience. Please feel zero need to reply to this. Love, Bryce. All right. Fuck you. You came up with the perfect fucking response, you piece of shit. Ball so hard. <laughs> um, I think it's useful to acknowledge that like people aren't alone because it can be a very isolating time. But also be mindful of that, like, sometimes people want to feel special and feel alone. So, like, balancing, like, you're not alone, but, like, what you're going through is valid and, like, you can feel however you want. Yeah, along with, like, 
you know, you, you don't need to stroke my ego. Like, don't fucking respond to this. I'm doing, you know, like, I'm reaching out to you without expecting anything in return because I can also, you know, see someone with 100 text messages in, in their phone being like, the fuck? I don't want to respond. Copy, paste. Thank you to yeah. every person. Um, yeah. The, the, the casual little DoorDash gift. Here, feed yourself, take care of yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you won, Bryce. Good job. Good job. Yeah, because flowers don't do fucking anything. Bro, if you... So, actually... Oh, you um, you, oh, you really want flowers? Absolutely <laughs> not. For me, flowers just remind me of fucking funerals. <laughs> flowers literally equate to death in my mind. And it's like, it's like pretty fucked up, but I've literally warned every person I've ever been with. I'm like... Don't buy me flowers. Like, literally, just do not. I don't want, like, fucking carnations. I, like, I, I don't want, like, a funeral arrangement in my home. Thank you. Like, give me an alive plant. That's much happier than just, like, the overwhelming smell of flowers. You know, someone can be so well-intentioned and tell you, send you flowers. But, like, that smell can literally just smell like funerals and actually be d- depressing. Do you remember them from, like, your mother and grandmother's death, or is it just, like, for some other reason they're connoted with death? No, I think, like, I just remember being so overwhelmed with flowers. You know, they're, they're at the funeral, but then you, like, people, like, gift them to you, so you gotta take them home. It's like, bitch, this is so many flowers to throw away. Like, they're gonna die. You want, like, this, like, <laughs> You concert. want more death? <laughs> yeah, more death? Thank you. Um, That's exactly what I needed. How did you know? Okay, back to my original question. Do you still feel like that is, like, you gave that person, like, what you would feel of, like, your ideal, like, h- how do you feel comforted? So, or, uh, in that case, it seems like that person, like, you weren't incredibly close to. What about, like, your your best friends and the people closest to you? Like, how do you want them to respond if you could control everything? Fuck. Um, <laughs> Mr. Puppeteer. So, I think for me, it's less about what happens in the moment or, like, a few days around it. Because, like, during that time, there's so much going on in terms of, like, oh, got to call a funeral home. Need to Mm -hmm. go to the – then need to go to, like, the funeral home or the funeral site and arrange the burial and go through hoop upon hoop upon, like, logistical thing. How many death certificates do I get? Get more than 10. Um, But, like, how many death certificates – yeah, a lot. Um, it's just everyone needs one. It's a pain in the ass. Excuse me. Well, oh, oh, I made a collage and I framed it, oh put it over my, my bed. I look at it every night. I did not do that, to be clear. Okay. Um, because they're seventeen dollars a piece. Um, <laughs> and I value my money. But, um, I like there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. So like the when my dad died, I went for a long bike ride and then I went home, and. When, so when my mom died, it was just me. I was taking care of her. She had no other children. She was not in a relationship. Like, it was me. And she had some great friends who helped. Like, it was largely me dealing with everything. Mm-hmm. And so that was hard in the sense, like, I was doing everything alone. But I was also alone with my own thoughts. And, like, I didn't have to deal with other people's emotions. Hmm. When my dad died, my brother was there. My sister was there. My stepmother was there. And mm-hmm. it was great to have people to commiserate with. But I then had to deal with their emotions. And all of that takes up a lot of space until the week I went back home after the funeral when I was back in San Francisco from Chicago, at which point, like, that's when things start to break down. And so I care less about what someone says in the moment than the continued follow up 
the the two weeks later, the month later, the months mm-hmm. later being like, hey, how you're doing? Like, I know that your dad used to go on a lot of bike rides. I know today is Bike the Drive in Chicago. Hmm. How is it for you? You're like, hey, it's Father's Day. Or hey, it's Christmas. You have no parents. How you doing? Um, what's this first Christmas like? Like that's what I care more about is that check-in mm-hmm. than the immediate. Hmm. We've silenced Maria. <laughs> it's a fucking rarity. Good job. No, I it's something I haven't thought about. I I agree with that, I think. Granted, like, you know, my incidents were, were too young to really, like, expect anything of others. But I can see that happening as an adult. And honestly, like, let's add this to the list of fucked up things Maria's going to say. But, <laughs> like, it's honestly kind of nice to get the death out of the way early. <laughs> Just get it out of the way you know, I don't have to worry now about dead parent. Like, I've already been through the dead parent ringer, you know? I'm like, all right, you know, dead grandma, dead mom. Like, all right, uh, we're in the clear here. And now seeing people go through death as adults, I'm like, this is this is really hard for you. you uh, are you staring at me as you say that, or? I mean, partially, partially at you, but to, you know, just... Anyone that, like, is experiencing parent death at, at our age, I think you, you just had more time to be used to having parents than not. And, like, it's fucking hard to lose after having it for so long. So, uh, you know, at, at this point, I, I feel lucky, right? <laughs> it's just crazy. Dead parents early? Great. At least I don't have to have a broken home now. Uh, <laughs> like now, whenever I hear of people that, um, you know, they, they go home and they, they have a troubled situation at home, you know, divorced parents, like cheating parents, like whatever it may be, they have a, a toxic environment to go home to, holiday, making holidays stressful and such. I feel really lucky to have dead parents, you know, like. I'm glad that my holidays, like, we have nuked all of our relationships with extended family. It's literally just me and my sisters. Our Christmas is literally we wake up, we get drunk on mimosas, we hang out during the day, we take an edible right before cooking dinner. We cook dinner perfectly time-bombed to the edible. It kicks in when the food is ready. Like, you know, that is my holiday experience, which is it's not stressful. We don't worry about these family matter members getting along. And I I legitimately feel lucky to have no parents, which sounds so fucked up. And maybe it is fucked up. Who knows? But it's still like it's kind of funny to think about. I remember one of my favorite Thanksgivings, which is supposed to be this like big family event. And and I've had friends invite me to their family's Thanksgivings, which is like Thank you, friends with perfect parents and families that do that, because I think it is really important. But, like, just know that it's never going to quite feel like ours. You know, like, it is yours. We are there as a guest. We're this awkward guest. Like, your random uncle doesn't know who the fuck we are. Your (laughs) cousins. We don't know how to interact with your seven-year-old cousins that have no concept of, like, what a 25-year-old is. Like, we don't know what a seven-year-old is anymore either. Like, 
it's just kind of awkward. But like, we still appreciate those friends that invite us. But I will still say one of my favorite Thanksgivings is when I went home to Pittsburgh and we had an anti-Thanksgiving Thanksgiving. So we just made margaritas and got drunk off margaritas at 5 p.m. And then we just made a buttload of tacos <laughs> for Thanksgiving. We were like, we don't want fucking turkey. Who wants to cook a turkey? Turkey's not good. Turkey's not great. Let's make tacos. So we made tacos and a fuck ton of margaritas and had an incredible night. It was just great. And it's it's those moments where I feel incredibly lucky to have this, like, non-typical family that gives us, like, the flexibility to, like, actually do whatever the fuck 20-something and early 30-something-year-olds actually want to do. So, yeah, funny moments are being, like, catching yourself. Wow, so Get stoked, we're back. And this next voice you're about to hear, that's Brian, who's supporting our sound engineering and creative development. I'm I'm from the Caribbean, and it's like I'm not. It's like a people do whatever the fuck they want. It's funny how like in a in a in a small space, it's 27 by seven, you know, 27 miles by seven miles, uh-huh. and you're surrounded by water. So like it's if you're insulated in that way, you know. You know the right people. You can do whatever it is you want to do and you won't get caught, you know? At times, it can be a very violent place, you know? And I've, like, I have never experienced death the way that you guys have. I have never experienced death, like, of a parent, I guess I should just say. It's something. But growing up in St. Croix, people get killed all the time. And they get killed in very violent ways. They get killed in broad daylight. They get killed in school, you know, and it's like, it's just something that you have to get used to. And the thing about flowers after death is, I I distinctly remember I was like 15 or 16 years old and my father is in the medical field, you know? So like, if a kid gets shot at school, generally they go to one hospital and they're one of three doctors when I was that age that would deal with a wound like that. So Pops saw a lot of it, you know, and he would deal closely with the family. And there was this one kid that got, like, just mixed up in the wrong crowd. And he was trying to prove the wrong points and that the system he was involved with was just so much bigger than him. And they had so much control and, like, the government is so corrupt and you just, you know, it was lawlessness. And I'll never forget my Pops coming home and telling the story of, like, how he had to... He was involved in a way in the trial where he was an expert witness, expert witness when it came to the wounds and expert witness when it came to like the dynamics of the family. And to put a long story short, like I'm trying to put the drama in context, but like the people that killed this young man knew exactly who he was. You know, they killed this little kid or this young man. And deliberately sent his mother dead flowers. And you realize that, like, the kind of things that people can come up with to make sure that 
you know, how they use this thing as a tool to make sure that and it's all based in economics. It's all based in money. And I remember my father coming home and he didn't, you know, he wasn't like a dramatic guy. He wasn't like, he didn't get emotional a lot. But when he told me that story about how far these people went to make their point, you know, and the fact that in court, you know, did he heard about this woman getting up there to testify that like, of course, they knew who he was. They knew what the impact was because I got six, seven bouquets of dead roses. It's like, you know, hearing you guys talk about flowers and how like legitimately you have to cut the flower to give it to somebody. It's like, why don't you give them something living instead? You know, <laughs> Bro, this is not the right. Avenue. Yeah. Why don't you? And that's like, so. Like now they're fucking pretty. That, so I, I would say two things in response Number one, you um, prefacing this story with I haven't experienced death like you have mm. is like inferring this like superiority of like you have dead parents, so I don't have room to talk. <laughs> and like, I would argue I haven't experienced death like you have, yeah. you know, like that sounds like some fucked up crazy. Like that to <laughs> me is the like, I like can't quite empathize like i haven't had that experience and that sounds like some hell of a lot of trauma to me um so i i think like this whole concept of of like you have some like emotional fucking superiority when you're the most fucked up is like is just irrelevant and like my whole thing is like suffering is not objective suffering is subjective and like the worst thing that you've ever experienced like is the worst thing that you have ever experienced, which is yeah. how you have empathy and compassion for people whose parents are going through a divorce. And I think that's a Im very important human thing to have of realizing like, okay, I may be more fucked up than some, I may be less fucked up than some in how I feel, but like, I'm still going to have compassion for other people and realize that they hurt in this way. So never like preface with like, yeah. I can't like, I don't feel valid sharing this stuff because you guys have gone through so much more. Like that's just, that's just out the window. Yeah. Um, time is a huge deal in this. And just the longer that you exist post trauma <laughs> is it, it shrinks the percentage that that defines you. Mm. And so when I showed up at Stanford, you know, I wrote all my fucking Stanford essays on how fucked up I was. Like, I basically got into Stanford. I, I told my story. I was super vulnerable. I was still living my story. I was still living with my older sister and, like, felt very defined by my life and my trauma in Pittsburgh. And I think, you know, if I would have stayed in Pittsburgh, it would have stayed a really big part of my life. I jumped ship, got a chance to redefine, which... You know, at first, it was a huge identity crisis. I was used to that being such a big part of my identity. I was used to using it as an excuse a lot of the times, which, like, you know, I had teachers in high school. I I remember showing up to my guidance counselor literally in tears on my mom's birthday, just being like, I just, I can't today. Like, I'm a mess. As a fucking, you know, this is still seven years after the fact. But you deserve and, that, don't you? I think I deserved it. Yeah. I think I deserved it. Yeah. But I I think I I still like you know, it it just it affected me more. And now it doesn't affect me as much because I've had so many more experiences. I've had changes of places, I've had changes of people in my life. 
Like there's been so much just stimuli change where my brain doesn't really associate my current life with my trauma anymore. And so I think if you are still in the same place as where your trauma happened, if you're oh, yeah. still with the same people, yeah. you know, you're still hanging around your family or your friends that you had when the trauma happened, like it's it's still going to feel like a big part of your character definition. And just with time, it becomes less of who you are. Like now, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, indeed, I do have a dead mother. Like, sure, but uh, it doesn't... It doesn't feel like my whole shtick. I feel like I have so much more that I would present to someone first. What's your least favorite depiction of death in media? I don't think that suicide is handled properly. Or maybe not. It's at least not handled in, in the depth that it it should be. Or that is at all comparable to what it is like in real life because granted I can only speak from my experience and I'm sure not all suicide losses are the same but there is there's just there's so many places that your brain goes and there's no depiction of that in media I think it's all like even when when celebrities die by suicide it's it's all very painted with the with the same brush and I, I think there's a lot of guilt that comes with suicide uh, a ton of guilt and guilt of whom um I mean if you're if you're close to that person that kills themselves like you're gonna feel guilt Got it. and I think that that isn't necessarily portrayed well in anything I've seen obviously when it happens in real life like people are gonna keep quiet about that but in movies and such I, I've I've never seen anything that has depicted, like, my journey of going through it. I think there have been moments of, of anger, of sadness, of, of especially early on deep, deep guilt of maybe if I would have called my mom earlier, maybe if I would have done this, like, and that's just, that's just really not the case. I think that there's also a lot of thoughts that you think are fucked up to think of, you know, she did it for us. I'm glad she's gone. I'm glad she did it for us. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm happy with how things turned out. And like, <laughs> those are a whole other slew of thoughts that you think are so fucked up to even think that you could be appreciative that your mom killed herself. And I've just never seen an accurate depiction of like a lot of the complexity of everything that you can feel. I think it's like, yeah, there, there's sadness. There's a lot of fucking sadness. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of guilt. I think those are like the, what everyone deems is like the normal feelings, right? But no one kind of delves deeper into the ones that kind of sound more fucked up. And like, let's be honest, like I have no confirmation at all of what my mother was thinking about. I don't know if she was thinking about us. I don't like, who the fuck knows? She could have been high as shit when she took her own life. Like, I don't know. I don't know the circumstances. I don't know if she was thinking about us or our, our well-being. And like, I'm just going to have to believe that, that I do choose to believe that, you know, she she had us in mind at least. And truly believe that we'd be better off without her here. Like, who the fuck knows? 
you know, I, I live with that. I th- So I think it, like, just, I mean, it becomes a lot easier to, like, ration with your past when you feel like you're over it and you feel like you're past it when you get to tell it as a story instead of, like, an active trauma that you're living. Yeah. I think it becomes way easier to, like, just brainstorm all the possibilities of how to process it. Of, like, aren't I, I guess, a good thing about it this way. It's, like, when it's less emotionally taxiing on you is when you get to, like, truly try to analyze it instead of just be fucking hurt by it. Do you know when that was? Probably when I started writing essays or getting into college. <laughs> of, like, I mean, that was I didn't really go to therapy for yeah. a long time, so I didn't really have a platform. And then I, I got this voice to, like, talk about my trauma and it was still a huge, heavy part of me, but trying to put it in, I really think storytelling is like really helpful for a lot of these things. And maybe it's honestly just because you become good at telling it as a story that makes sense, mm-hmm. even though it like really deep down fucking doesn't. But you get to a point where you have a story and you're like, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. That makes sense. That that ends up with me as the as the protagonist that succeeds and i'm happy with that i think generally like i'm feeling great okay i think that's a privilege of how how long has been since all this shit has gone down for me and i'm I'm lucky in that sense that it is pretty far removed and you don't always get platforms to talk about all the nuance like normally you have to like you have to tell it as the sob story of Oh, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna edit this so it's only you being sad. Just so oh, you know. Yeah. Oh, fuck right off. <laughs> um. <laughs> no jokes. None of the jokes, just the sad. So, uh, yeah, surprisingly, like this is great. This is actually fun, which is weird. no one would ever assume that talking about their dead mom's fun. Like, hello, <laughs> turns out it kind of is when you get to talk about. All of the shit that comes with it. We hope you had some fun too. Thank you so much to Maria, to Brian Patterson for the support, and Coco Brudden for the music. Get excited for next week, where we talk with Sebastian, your friendly neighborhood German, about his dad, mushrooms, and fake contact lenses. As always, tell your friends about us, do cool things, and if you liked it, Give us a review wherever you listen. Thanks.